I'm Jorge Salazar, reporting on SC16 in Salt Lake City, the 28th Annual International Conference for High-Performance Computing, Networking, Storage, and Analysis. This event showcases the latest in supercomputing to advance scientific discovery, research, education, and commerce. Joining us today is John West, Director of Strategic Initiatives at the Texas Advanced Computing Center and the General Chair of SE16. His focus this year is on the people behind the machines and ways to broaden diversity and inclusion in the supercomputing community. It's a large-scale challenge, said West, and one that can be addressed with an engineer's attitude. Here's John West. Well, John, thanks for speaking with us today. So I wanted to speak with you about diversity, which is one of the major themes of SC16, the annual supercomputing conference. What are the biggest challenges you've seen in changing business as usual? The biggest challenge I've seen, and this was a little bit of a surprise to me, is in getting general acknowledgement that this is an issue that everyone needs to be actively engaged and caring about. So there are certainly many people in HPC who have a natural affinity to this and kind of gravitate to this issue. But at the same time, I think we've got to remember, I've spent a while thinking about this, I think we have to remember that the reality is that many people in our community just haven't thought about the issues because they don't experience them every day. Or if they have thought about them, they don't think there's a structural uh, diversity problem in HPC as a whole. So these aren't bad people, right? They aren't uncaring people. They're not actively opposed to increasing the diversity of our workforce. I just think most people probably who aren't naturally attracted to this issue either don't see it as relevant to them personally, or they don't feel that there's a way that they can make a difference as an individual through anything that they can do. So what we've focused on as a conference is in raising awareness and helping to change those attitudes. And it's not a one-year process. It'll take a long time. But it's something that I'm really proud that SC um, has been able to start at a large scale, at least for our specific conference. And um, it's something that I'll remain focused on for many years to come. This issue of diversity, inclusiveness also, which is a little different as well, it hasn't really been seen uh, as important, that important to the tech world if you look at the historical numbers of uh, these diversity numbers. Advanced computing is part of this big, larger tech world. Could you talk a little bit about why it's important to bring this issue to the supercomputing community? There are a lot of reasons to care about diversity, and people come at this from all kinds of perspectives, from social justice and just baseline equity to a more engineering and numbers-oriented viewpoint. And I think all of the ways that you can come at this issue are valid, and we should encourage you know, all the different perspectives because we need as many different solutions as we can find. Um, but I come at this from an engineering standpoint. So for me, this is a numbers problem. If you look at HPC, more and more communities are adopting advanced computing as a baseline tool uh, for their research. And I think a big part of this shift is um, HPC has been around for a long time, and so certainly more and more communities are starting to become aware of it. But it's also driven by the success of efforts at TAC and other HPC centers that are pushing this idea of science environments that are front-ended by user-friendly technologies um, that help flatten the learning curve that we've traditionally had as a real barrier um, to new communities of users coming into HPC. 
So that success is driving more people to use HPC. Um, and as we have more users, we're, of course, going to have to provide more resources to these folks. Uh, and so we need more highly qualified staff in the provider community, both in the centers themselves and in the organizations that create scientific software uh, that people use. So HPC and advanced computing kind of more generally have had a pipeline for 40 or 50 years uh, that mostly works to give us a workforce at the scale where we were maybe five years ago. But today we already see strains in that pipeline as we are beginning to grow to meet that demand. And so we're looking at answering the question, where are the new workers that we need today going to come from? And then as we get on this growth curve, which is likely to be exponential if we uh, look like other technology growth curves, where are these new workers going to come from? If you look at the workforce today in the United States, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and other kind of national scale independent organizations say that about two thirds of the workforce are women in minority communities. And these communities are underrepresented in the HPC workforce right now. So to my mind, if we're going to try and broaden our talent pipeline to grow uh, the workforce to meet the growing demand, then our best opportunity to do that is to try and grab a larger share of that untapped pool of talent. Well, right. I guess what you're saying is um, centers like TAC are making uh, super competing resources more user-friendly, and that's making it easier for people to use them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good news story. Um, if you look in the areas of science and engineering that have traditionally used HPC, the, I'll say, ad- advanced computing-enabled discoveries are tremendous, Right. HPC has been a big part of proving fundamental theories of the universe in combination uh, with large-scale scientific instrumentation that haven't been provable before. Uh, we've seen radical uh, enhancements in new drugs, in things, simple things like seatbelt safety and airbags, more crash-resistant cars, airplanes that fly further on a given amount of fuel. HPC is really impacting all areas of science and engineering, and in turn, discoveries that are made there help make the world a better place really for everybody. Uh, When you think about medicine, when you think about environmental impact, um, when you think about safer building technologies for large-scale storms, floods, and hurricanes, right? These are things that impact everybody around the world in their daily lives. And to the extent that our community is being successful at creating tools that more and more people can use, Uh, I think we see benefits accrue to everybody. John, would you talk a little bit about SE16 and um, what are some of the biggest ways that SE16 is increasing diversity in this supercomputing community? Well, so as I mentioned before, we look at this as a long-term investment, right? This this is not a problem that you can dip into for a single conference year and uh, move the needle very much. And so what we have focused on is trying to build a foundation that future conference years can build on so that when we get to the end of 10 or 15 years, we hope we've made a real difference. And so we've made some structural changes that I would say are more strategic. And then we've also made maybe smaller changes that are more tactical um, that'll make a difference in the here and now. So let me talk about a few of each of those. I would say that our biggest evidence-based structural effort is that we shifted with SC16 to double-blind review for technical papers. This was a really complicated, large-scale effort that was completed in an unfortunately short amount of time by virtue of a lot of dedication by our tech program chair, Lori Dyeshin, and her team, uh, who really went above and beyond to make this happen. So in this case, we adopted a best practice that we are really convinced will help ensure that 
gender and institutional biases don't creep into our technical program. Um, but having been through this for one year and compared the results of the papers that were accepted this year to past years, I'm really happy to report that we don't see evidence of a, a huge increase in papers by women, papers by underrepresented groups, or even papers um, from a whole new set of institutions. So I think what that says is that our technical program reviewers in past years and our chairs have been really good at keeping biases out of their reviews. Um, But by adopting this structural change, we've sort of given ourselves a safety net to keep them from creeping in unintentionally uh, in the future. Also on the strategic front, I think it's really important to mention that we now have a standing subcommittee focused on diversity and inclusion that's been added onto the conference organizing committee. All the future chairs have agreed to continue our focus on those issues. And as part of that, of course, we were the first conference in the series to report on our own demographics for both um, the attendees and the volunteers. And I think that all of that kind of speaks to building a baseline so that we're ready to launch new efforts in the future. An important part of any effort to kind of change where you are uh, is knowing where you are. And uh, so we felt like it was really important to go ahead and adopt measurement of who comes to the conference, who volunteers at the conference, and what communities they come from, and then be very transparent about it. So uh, if you look at our numbers today, um, they're good. They're on our website at sc16.supercomputing.org slash diversity. I think they're good numbers. Uh, They're a little bit more representative of underrepresented communities than HPC as a whole, at least according to the best numbers that we can get. But we have a long way to go. So there are also a number of tactical steps that we've taken. So, for example, we included this year a special focus on going out and actively recruiting student volunteers rather than waiting for applications to come to us. And we did our active recruiting uh, at organizations and universities that serve uh, underrepresented groups. And that was very successful. And in fact, we had so many new applications from those groups that we increased the number of student volunteers that we traditionally accept by 20%. So that we we felt it was important that if we were going to reach out to new communities, um, we needed to be able to say yes to all the qualified people who applied. And I think we've got a great crew of student volunteers this year uh, throughout the conference. Uh, We also added on-site childcare in the convention center for the first time. And the idea here is just to provide more support for families who might find it difficult to be away from their young children for a whole week. You know, I'm certainly in, have been in that crew. I'm fortunate that I live close to my parents. And so when I had very young children, I was able to lean on them uh, while I was gone to the conference. But not everybody can do that. And for families that are two HPC worker families, it can be a real decision and an unfortunate decision to have to pick, you know, who gets to come to the conference, because I think it does make a difference uh, in how individuals do their job throughout the year. So you're sort of picking whose career gets the benefit of coming to the conference if one parent has to stay home. And so uh, I'm super excited that we've added that. It's the first year future chairs have agreed to try it. um, And I hope more and more people will take advantage of it as they realize that it's something that they can count on um, from year to year. And then we've also done something which is added an official code of conduct uh, for both attendees and exhibitors. And this is one of those things that's a little bit symbolic, but I think it also sends an important signal that we're serious about this. We're thinking about these issues at leadership level, and it gives us um, as an organizing committee 
something written, a code of conduct that we can stand on when we do find somebody who's acting outside of the community norm and, and creating an environment that we feel like isn't productive for everybody to point at and say, hey, you know, you're out of line. This is what we expect. Let's talk about how we can get back to where we want to be. We are also, if, if I think about how the conference relates to the community as a whole, we're also looking actively for ways to be a focal point um, for inclusivity efforts that are led by other HPC groups. So, for example, the ACM SIG HPC Intel Computational and Data Fellowships that support graduate studies um, by groups around the world that are underrepresented uh, in computing was launched at SC last year. And this year, um, we'll host the first inaugural class of recipients at the conference. So we are funding them to come to the conference and take part. And they'll also be featured at the award ceremony on Thursday, where you know they'll get up and ACM will present uh, their certificate to them kind of as part of uh, being in this inaugural class. And that's something that will continue throughout the life of the fellowship. And we're really proud to be part of that. Um, this is also the second year of Women in IT Networking at SC, which is a joint effort of the Energy Sciences Network, Kinber and UCAR, that's designed to jumpstart the technical careers of women interested in large-scale computer networks, both wide area and, and within a center. Uh, and we're really proud to be part of that. Well, this, um, it, yeah, it really sounds like you took an engineering uh, look at a big problem and are trying all kinds of new and different things, and, and some things seem to be working. Yeah, we, we hope so. I, you know, I, this is a long-term problem, and if there was uh, one solution, right, if there was an easy solution, somebody would have already discovered it, and we would have implemented it everywhere, and we'd be over the hump already. Um, but there isn't. And so I think probably one of the most important things about being serious about addressing this collection of issues is to be in it for the long term and to be willing to experiment, which of course means being willing to fail. And it's super important to not fail silently. So, you know, if you try something and it works, you got to write it up. But it's even more important to write up the stuff that doesn't work so that no one repeats the same mistake you made. What's the most important thing you want people to know about SC16? So I've been coming to SC uh, as an attendee since 94 or 96. Uh, I'm not sure which was my first year. And I was definitely a volunteer starting in 1996. It's an incredible conference. And even having been part of the conference all that time, uh, there were still parts of it that I didn't have you know, a good understanding for. So it can take decades to really get a feel for everything that goes on at SC. So there's not really one thing that everybody should know about the conference. I think that uh, what you need to know depends on where you are in your career and where you are in your career of attending SC. So if this is your first time at SC, uh, my definite advice is to not try and see everything. It's like the first time you go to Disney World, right? It's not a vacation marathon. You're there to have fun. So for SC, I think, you know, go and take a look at um, the online program, which is new this year. We don't have an app anymore. We have a website that's designed to be super responsive for everybody who'll be on their iPads and their phones and, and even their laptops in the convention center. So take a look at the online schedule before you go. Uh, use it to plan a few things that you want to make sure you don't miss every day. But make sure that you leave yourself some time uh, every day in your schedule for opportunities to talk with colleagues or to spend a little bit more time on the exhibit floor if you run into a research exhibitor that's doing something particularly interested. And just take advantage of the people connections that are really at the core of 
what it means to come to SC and be a regular attendee. And then kind of circling back to this idea of creating a more inclusive uh, workforce so that we can meet our growing demand. If you are a regular SC conference goer, then in addition to all the usual stuff that you already know that you need to make sure you do, um, I'd like to add one thing to your plate, and that's find one person who looks new or lost or out of place sometime during the week that you're there and just say hi. I know this can be really hard because we're all introverts. Certainly, I'm a super introvert. Um, But that one little action, I think, can go a long way to making someone who is maybe new to our community feel more at home and like they might belong here. So if you're looking for ways that you as an individual can help our community grow and be more inclusive, then just reaching out in this way um, to new attendees or students at poster sessions or our student volunteers can be a great, low-pressure, easy way to contribute to the cause. John West, thank you for speaking with us today. Glad to do it. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to John West of the Texas Advanced Computing Center and the general chair of SE16. From SC, the International Conference for High Performance Computing, Networking, Storage, and Analysis, I'm Jorge Salazar.